Let's Go Tokyo with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Tokyo, a special podcast completely dedicated to the Tokyo Olympics. I'm Ben O'Shea, joined by Mark Reddings, and all this week leading up to the Olympic Games, we'll be speaking to some very talented West Aussies who'll be heading to Tokyo. But first, we've got some COVID news to run through, Skeet. Uh, The Tokyo 2020 Organising Committee still hasn't ruled out cancelling the Games if cases get out of hand in a couple of days left to go before the opening ceremony. 71 people accredited for the Olympics have tested positive to COVID since July 1, when officials, athletes first started arriving in Tokyo, and that includes contractors and media and the athletes themselves. Uh, And yesterday, uh, July 20, Tokyo alone recorded uh, more than 1,300 cases of COVID, two deaths. So definitely COVID is going to be a big part of these Olympics, but so is the sport. Absolutely. And you think the Games will continue. Mind you, it's a sobering message coming out of the IOC, isn't it, that these Games are on a knife edge right throughout, and it'll only take an outbreak of some sort to really prevent competitors and countries competing as best they can. But yes, competition, minus two days before the opening ceremony, we have action, and Australia up against Japan in softball. The Japanese, the host nation, suddenly love the Olympics. They've won 8-1 over the Australians, so not a great start for the Aussies. But tonight, of course, it's a big occasion. We spoke to Sam Kerr a couple of days ago, the captain of the Matildas. They make their Olympic debut at Tokyo when they take on New Zealand at around 7.30 our time. They've had five games winless under their new coach, Tony Gustafsson, but they get their chance to right the wrongs and off to a flyer hopefully tonight. So the Matildas in action, Sam Kerr, we cannot wait. Yep, hopefully better than the result we had in softball today, but I bet the Japanese, as you say, Skeet, are loving the Olympics right now, which is good to see. The host nation needs something to cheer about. Uh, Sam Kerr, what a great interview that was. She's not the only one we've spoken to. Earlier this week, we also spoke to WA Olympian Aaron Younger, the captain of the Australian water polo team. Let's have a listen. WA's elite athletes on the podium. G'day, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, it's uh, fantastic to have you on board. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your water polo journey up until now. Uh, Yeah, pretty much started as a young kid down at Bigton Bars, living from uh, Palmyra, so started there around 10 and pretty much fell in love with the sport at a young age, but Played a lot of sports till I was a bit older, then narrowed it down to water polo as I was getting a bit better at that and a bit more uh, focused. And then, yeah, played on all the junior levels, kind of junior worlds to then make the men's team at 17. Then at 18, moved to Europe to play professionally in the club over here. And I played the last 10 years in Europe. And yeah, in that time, obviously been representing the national team in the men's circuit. And uh, yeah, this will be the third Olympics with the team and capping it this time. So it's going to be a bit different for me, but boys are excited and it should be good. Exciting times for you, Aaron. Now, you talked about other sports that potentially could have been uh, drawing you towards them. Can you tell us, were there other options before you stuck to water polo? I was a bit too slow on the land, but I uh, gave the old Aussie rules and basketball and hockey and all that a go. But yeah, definitely wasn't my forte. <laughs> I was a bit quicker in the water. That being said, you mentioned Bicton. And if you're in WA or in Perth, you know, that if you go down to Bicton Pools, there's always a, a water polo event or, or Tom Hode or the Neeshams. There's always that great connection with water polo in this state. I guess that is a great place to learn your craft in part. Yeah, definitely. And there was a lot of Olympians down at the pool the whole time when I was a junior as well, helping out. And there's a strong culture for water polo down there and development. So it's been a great growing up there as a player. And it's a 
definitely a great opportunity having a pool like that down by the river and the people down there managing and running so well so yeah it's a it's a great place to learn yeah, well, that's a place where, I guess, water polo champions really are recognised and celebrated. But you've written in the past how hard it is to reach the elite level of a sport uh, and not have your country really sit up and take notice. Uh, considering Australia has made it to the Olympics every year since water polo made its debut, would you like to see it get a bit more recognition in this country? Yeah, definitely. And as a sport, obviously, it needs a bit more recognition and growth within the country to be able to develop to that next level. All the countries we're competing against in the Olympics are pretty much fully professional. So there's no one working or doing much. So they've got their full-time athletes and pretty much all the boys in the national team here, they're either working or studying. So they go to training before work and then go to training after work again. So it's a it's a different uh, atmosphere and trade-off for our players. And it's obviously a lot harder to compete when you don't have that time and resources to put into it so it would be nice if a water polo could build to that next level within australia where there is a bit more recognition and allowing the sport to grow a bit bigger and for that professional development to just grow a bit more well tell us how having played in europe what it's like there with water polo and the profile and the recognition factor that is missing here the comparison oh yeah it's definitely a lot bigger all the games are televised and obviously everyone's completely professional so that's your uh, full-time job is training and developing and getting better so it's a quite a different environment but uh, coming from there back to here it's probably uh, i feel a lot better playing in the national team with the australian guys because you know they've uh, invested a lot more into it and they've got a lot better feeling they're a lot more aggressive a lot hungrier so it's uh although it's harder being australian there's definitely a better feeling here now, the vast majority of us will never know what it's like to represent our country at the Olympics. You've been fortunate to do it twice already. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like in the Athletes' Village, what it's like to suit up for your country at an Olympic Games? Yeah, no, definitely an amazing feeling, especially as a young kid when you watch it on TV and that kind of stuff. It's hard to imagine actually getting there in the end, so it's an amazing feeling when you do come out there for the first Games or any other Games and you see the crowd and obviously getting the messages and all that back from the friends and family back home and everyone cheering and wishing well. So it's just an amazing feeling to be able to represent your country and lead the way. And it'll be uh, probably a bit of a different feeling with no crowd in Tokyo, but uh, it's still good to know there is all those people back in Australia following and sending their wishes. So it's, it is an amazing feeling. Yeah, so Aaron, going on with that thought of Tokyo and how different it will look, it'll be for you as athletes, the restrictions in place... Uh, in many ways, is it about getting your mind in the right space to, to perform and forget about those external factors? Yeah, definitely. Well, as Australians, we're used to playing with a small crowd, so, <laughs> so maybe, it'll go on, maybe it'll go in our favour. But, uh, yeah, I think most of the boys are focused. Everyone's uh, well aware what it's going to look like once we get there and well aware what kind of restrictions will be in place. So I think now it's just time to focus on what we need to do and ourselves is to get ready and uh, just get ready for those games. Obviously, everyone's going to have those distractions around, but it's a battle everyone's going to have to face. Uh, Aaron, get the crystal ball out, the men and the women. What are you thinking in terms of placings over there in Tokyo? Podium, obviously, is everyone's dream, but what's a realistic expectation for, for both sides of the equation, the men and the women? Uh, it's hard to tell. I'll go with the men first. Our last international game was two years ago <laughs> in the World Championships, which is... Obviously, Australia's been shut to the rest of the world, so we haven't been able to train or play against anyone. So it's going to be uh, quite an interesting first game when we get out there after two years of not playing internationally. So it's going to be tough for the men, but 
uh, we'd be looking yeah, top eight and then see what happens from there. I think the women also, they're in a similar situation to us. They haven't played for two years, but they're really quite strong. So I think they'd be hoping for top four and then anything can happen. Mm. And who are the powerhouses in international water polo at the moment? Uh, pretty much everyone in our group. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pretty much all your ex-Yugoslavian countries, Serbia, Montenegro, Croatia, and then a few of the other Europeans like Italy, Spain. They're all pretty strong. It's quite a European heavy sport. So, yeah, pretty much the top four is usually all European based, but hopefully looking to change that. And what, what some people might not know is so you grew up playing footy and, and you might think that, and some people might think, oh, well, you know, water polo is a bit easier, but it's pretty tough, isn't it? It's pretty rough sport. What happens under the waterline uh, is not for the faint-hearted. Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely a tough sport, but don't let, any, don't let it deter anyone from jumping in and giving it a go. So There's definitely a, a lot of different levels, obviously, and now at the high levels it gets a bit more aggressive and physical. But, yeah, it can be social and it can be aggressive, but there is in the hard games, yeah, it does get a bit... Uh, heavy to say the least yeah and when you got those underwater cameras suddenly appearing at olympic games and big events we actually get a look at what happens and there's a, a bit happening with wedgies and, and the like uh, there's all sorts yeah. of maneuvers yeah i need to get a few things blowed out i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and so what are you what are you hoping personally from this games Oh, I don't know. This is obviously, there's quite a few of the older players that we've been playing together for the last two, three Olympics together. So we had a bit of a disappointing uh, campaign in Rio. So I think we're just looking to, to right the wrongs and uh, just have a really solid hit out this year and see what we can do, just prove to ourselves what kind of team we can be. And uh, yeah, I don't know what that looks like exactly, but uh, I think you'll know at the end if you can uh, keep your head up high and be proud of what you've done. Well, Aaron, uh, given this is not your first rodeo, as they say, you're going back to another Olympic Games. Uh, very proud of uh, what you guys have done previously and will be looking on with great interest. Uh, safe travels to Tokyo. Best of luck in the water. And you know that uh, the whole of Australia will be behind you. Uh, thank you very much and thanks for your time. How good was that, Skeet? Oh, terrific. And he's a big man, six foot three, six foot four, uh, gets in the water, could have played footy. He went to water polo. Uh, would love to get more recognition for his sport. But I tell you what, uh, it's one of the more fascinating events at the Olympics. And we're looking forward to seeing the men and the women. We know they're going to be going absolutely full tilt. Hopefully, big results coming our way. It's exciting. It's one of those sports you probably don't think about too much in the in the four, in the three or so years between Olympics, as Aaron says. Uh, but when you're watching it at the games, it's uh, man, I love it. I love it. Uh, you and I probably would last. I reckon about 10 seconds before we were drowned in the pool. Probably it, wouldn't look that great in the budgie smugglers either. And that's the greatest thing about <laughs> Olympic sports. You don't often have a look at, or certainly rarely, you get to watch the best of the best. And you, you become an instant expert, which we are quickly forming our own views on water polo in every sport that we're covering over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, that's exa exactly right, Skeet. And we will be bringing you guys the best of the best from the Tokyo Games on the Let's Go Tokyo podcast, which you'll be able to find wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Let's Go Tokyo by The West Live with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings.